This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. And real quick before we get started, got to thank our friends at QuickTrack for making this episode possible today. QuickTrack is the first app of its kind. It's an easy-to-use mobile app that allows anyone to create contracts for anything you need. So for all you freelancers out there, listen up. QuickTrack is about to make your life so much easier. It lets you request amendments if the job changes along the way. You can get paid upon completion, and it gives you a full freelance directory to advertise your own work. And as my own boss, QuickTrack is definitely my favorite app to use on my phone because it makes my job so much easier. Make everything official, protect your work, get it done. Go download the QuickTrack app right now in the App Store. QuickTrack, Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, QuickTrack. Saying that we're not okay is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. Because now I'm able to come to terms with whatever I'm going through and I can seek out the proper help so that way I can show up even stronger on the field, on the court, in the swimming pool, and also show up that much stronger in my life. So a lot going on in the sports world this week. We don't have time to talk about it all, but we'll cover one piece of news. First, though, I want to introduce you to my guest this week, who is a badass CEO. I love her. Classy James, the founder and CEO of The Shakeout. Okay, so she helps former athletes transition into the workforce by giving them the tools that they need to succeed. So she heads into colleges and puts on these workshops, events. She is just a super cool chick. But a little more about her, okay? She's a former D1 college basketball player, and Classy always thought that by now she'd be playing the WNBA. Interesting enough that this week the new collective bargaining agreement was announced for the league, nearly doubling the max salary that a player can earn and giving her maternity leave paid, paid maternity leave. Yes, you heard that right. Skylar Diggins-Smith, another one who balances the ultimate supermom role. Her kids come first, but she's fighting for her teammates on the front lines. These are the women who, in the offseason, work multiple jobs, raise kids, just like every other woman out there in the working world, just like you. It's time they get their turn this is just a start. But back to Classy, the ultimate girl boss. It was her dream to join the likes of these incredible women paving the way for other female athletes. But injuries, oh, the classic career-ending injuries plagued her towards the end of her college career. And she chose to leave the court gracefully. Not on her terms, but she decided she could do something about it. Much like what's going on now with the league. Making headway, players are doing something about it. They've been making noise over the past few years, saying things aren't right. Classy is blazing her own trail for fellow athletes trying to navigate the corporate world or just generally the abyss that is life after sports. It's freaking scary. Every WNBA player is hanging on by a thread to make enough money to survive. And now they are given the tools, the opportunity to do what they do and be rewarded for it. Classy is teaching us those same skills. How to fight for what you want, what you deserve, and show that you belong. Here's Classy James. Classy is on the show here with us. Thank you for joining the podcast. I am so pumped to have you here. You are definition of a girl boss girl. So welcome. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. Are you kidding? This is awesome. Uh, so let's talk about your business. For those of us who don't know, what is the shakeout? 
So essentially ShakeOut is a consulting and staffing agency where my sole mission is to provide athletes a platform to help them find that best fit career post athletics. So essentially when I think of kind of the word ShakeOut, I think of turnover. And for me, I basically put it in an athletic term where it's athlete turnover, right? Athletes are constantly faced in and out of athletics, like with all industries, but what our mission is at ShakeOut is to help them prepare for that turnover. Okay, so what happened personally in your athletic career that made you feel like you needed to fill this void with ShakeOut? Well, I went through, I think, uh, a lot of similar stories to mine, a career-ending injury ended my career, right? Um, And it ended my career when I still had my senior season left. And so I had to really figure out life after sports a year earlier than I would have anticipated. Um, And then on top of that, you know, things just happened at the school I was at where I actually wasn't even a part of the team anymore because I was graduating that December. You know, they just felt like it would be easier for them to try to give my scholarship to a walk-on and so they basically were like well we don't see a purpose in paying for a semester of grad school for you since you're not competing and so then it was like okay I can't play basketball I'm not around my athletic community that was kind of stripped from me and you know I went into my last semester as a senior without that support And I essentially was just kind of like a regular college student. And that was a huge adjustment, a huge change. And then after I graduated, I had to have a massive surgery where I was on bed rest for a couple months and had to relearn how to walk again. And then with the injury I had, which was a bone and cartilage transplant, the doctor said I would never be able to run, jump, or play basketball ever again. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so fast forward to today, are you able to at least like – get out on the court recreationally or you know did you did you defy the doctor's doctor's words so I have in the past but then my knee would swell up and so essentially like a doctor is going to say what a doctor is going to say and give you you know their perspective for me it's not even about wanting to play basketball again I just want to be in control of the narrative as it pertains to my body um So I have tried alternative ways for physical therapy because, again, when I stopped playing basketball at my school, they stopped paying for the top physical Mm -hmm. therapy, right? They sent me to just like the, you know, the Kaiser PT and they're like, once you can do some leg lifts, you're good. Bye. You know, we don't need to come here anymore. So it's kind of like I want to do more than just walk. I want to be active. So I've just tried a whole bunch of different things. You know, I've tried physical therapy. I've tried yoga. I've tried Pilates. Um, I do a lot of low impact um, training. Soul Cycle was my ultimate vibe until I bought a house and got a Peloton. And so I'm just trying to figure out ways to be active in my own way. And eventually, if I do want to play basketball again, I'll just have to make sure that the PT that I'm doing is in alignment with the ability so I can build up that muscle so I can go on the court and play basketball again if I want to. Right. Obviously. I mean, there's that physical part of it, but also mentally, what were you going through at that time when you were having to have surgery after college? Because I mean, it's kind of one thing, I guess, to still, you know, have the surgery done in college when you're still kind of in that bubble, at least a little bit where it's not Mm -hmm. real life yet. But I guess I didn't realize that you had it done after college where you're really thrown out in the real world 100% then. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that experience like for you? Well, what was interesting was that surgery was my second surgery. So okay. I had the first, I had a scope um, April of 2014. And they were hoping with the scope that I would be able to compete my senior season. But what I had was like bone and cartilage, like breaking off in my knee, floating around, having a little party in there. And it wasn't feeling good. So they thought that if they like, you know, sucked out the the bone and the cartilage that I would be able to play. But ultimately I needed a bone and cartilage transplant. So after the first surgery, I was around my little athlete community and felt support. But then after, but that was a scope. And if for people that know, you know, a scope is like easy turnaround, easy surgery. It's not really... Um, that complex, but the major surgery was terrible because none of my teammates who I thought were my friends at the time, some of them actually are my friends to this day. They just, you know, didn't know how to handle the situation. Yeah. They didn't know how to support me. 
Um, but no one visited me. Um, and I was super alone. And even my mom went on a vacation <laughs> with my aunt. Like she went on this like cruise to like the Bahamas or Jamaica. And so, and at the time, if you had surgery, you're not supposed to shower um, for a certain period of time. And so I'm home with my dad and I was like, dad, I know you used to be a nurse, but this is not about to happen. So luckily <laughs> for me, my poor little grandmother lived around the corner or lived around the corner from me when I was living at my parents' house in California she would walk around the corner to come to the house and like cook me food and bathe me. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> shout out to my grandmother. Yeah, that is the ultimate bonding moment. Oh my gosh. She was like reliving the moments when I was a baby. Yeah. Like, I used to do this all the time. I'm like, okay, grandma, thanks. Totally. But... I used, yeah, I used to, <laughs> yeah, sponge bath you in the, in the sink. And oh my gosh, that is, I mean, that's amazing. But Back to what you were saying just about support in general. Um, I mean, I'm sure you know this, especially dealing with former athletes. It's so common for just people to all of a sudden just be like, oh, peace out. Like, things are getting hard. I can't really be there right now. And it's it's crazy because it took me a really long time to learn this. That doesn't always mean that people don't love you or don't care, but it's like they just don't know how to support you or like yes. what you need right now because it's like not easy for them anymore and it's not the same routine anymore um so and, and I mean that's something that's really important to realize because I think we all of a sudden feel like oh d did I not have any real friends you know like w what's going on <laughs> like or what's wrong with me did I just choose really bad people to be friends with and it's like no, that's not really what it is. Um, but I'm sure that you've seen that with a lot of the former yeah. athletes that you work with, that people just feel alone. So yes. how do you um, kind of support them and say, hey, you know, this is normal. I went through the same thing. You're, you're going to feel alone. Like, that's just that's just how it is. Yeah, I think normalizing the situation is super crucial. I also think it's important to realize that your teammates – and some of those teammates or your friends are in your life because it's convenient. It's not necessarily a good or bad thing, yeah. but it's a convenient thing, right? We have to practice together. We have to travel together. We have to do social things together. And so when you're forced to be around people, you're going to find kind of common interests. But the main common interest was that we loved basketball. So when then you removed basketball or whatever sport you're playing from the equation, how much do you really have in common with these people? And that's why it's so important to know who you are as an individual. That way you're attracting the type of people that you want in your life. And I think I look at it as just a phase where, you know, I had a great group of friends when I played basketball. Some of those friendships fell off, but guess what? When I needed them, when I was an athlete, they were essential to my life and essential to my happiness in that moment. And now that I'm no longer playing basketball and I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a black woman in tech, I need to be around different people that understand what I'm going through in this space, but I still do have the friends that I met in college playing basketball. And I'm so grateful for them because I realized basketball was a minor thing that we had in common. We have so much more in common and that's why those friendships are still present today. So when I'm helping other athletes, I think it's so important to be clear on who you are as a person. What are your values? What, what do you love to do besides your sport? So that way, Friends come and go, but you're true to yourself. And guess what? The right people will stick around because they're meant to be around. Absolutely. 100%. And when you realized, you know, that this was the biggest thing to remember, like just identifying with yourself, knowing who you are, that self-confidence, um, what was the main thing that you recognized in yourself that um, you needed to kind of use as your mantra every day to keep going? I mean, it was more so that, I'm strong enough to get through any type of situation. I got through this crazy knee surgery. I've overcome adversity as an athlete con like constantly. And so it's just kind of like this too shall pass. The pain that I'm feeling, the emotions that I'm passing, whether they're good or feeling whether they're good that, or they're bad, they eventually will pass. And that I knew that I was strong enough, but I also knew that I had to do the, the personal work. I had to make sure that I was okay before I could even worry about anyone else that was a part of my life. Um, and that's why I think I, I see a, a huge shift in mental health being so important in athletes 
And I'm so happy to see that because I know a lot of those resources I needed and I still do need what I have them now because I have, you know, right. my own exactly. health. But, I but wish they, I weren't, had it. they weren't available when we were in college. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Which is so sad because it's like, yeah, okay, that wasn't that long ago, but right. it has come so far just in these yeah. last few years. And so I love, I love seeing that because I love the fact that, you know, we are not afraid to say that we're not okay. Right. right. Saying that we're not okay is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength because now I'm able to come to terms with whatever I'm going through and I yeah. can seek out the proper help so that way I can show up even stronger on the field, on the court, in the swimming pool, and also show up that much stronger in my life. Yeah, 100%. What do you think was your biggest strength that translated from the court on t- into real life when you were going through this? Honestly, I think it was me being a leader. So from the time that I was really young, I was always like a captain and I actually hated being a leader. And my dad was just like, you got it, kid. I don't know what to tell you. Like, be grateful that you actually have it. And I just was like, I don't like it. You know, I don't like people looking at me, you know, needing to like navigate all of this different stuff. I was like, it's annoying. Um, but as I got older, I just had to come to terms with, I have a, a certain personality, a very strong personality. Um, and ultimately, I love seeing people win. I would rather see someone win than have myself win. Because I feel like if I am able to help them win, that's a win for me. So because I lead with love and I lead with compassion, I think that's also what made me a really good leader. And once I realized that, okay, I'm not playing a sport anymore and I got into corporate America, into the tech space, it took me a while to find my, my legs because it's, it's a huge shift. But I got a part of you know some organizations um, at Cisco Systems where I was on, in a, on a leadership team, a leadership board and I find myself doing the same thing at Cisco, being a leader and having, you know, a lot of the other early in career individuals look up to me and then I'm a boss, right? I'm a, literally a boss of my own company. So yeah. I'm a self-proclaimed leader and I actually have a team. So the skill sets that I had as an athlete kind of enabled my success, but it also showed me the type of leader I want to be. When I played basketball, I wasn't the best leader I could be when I was in college. Um, Everything that I, not everything, the majority of the things that I said were on point, but my delivery was total garbage. Um, I didn't come across really nice or sweet. I wanted to see you win, but I'm also competitive. And so the things that I said were, it was just not pleasant. And so now as a leader today, I'm really conscious about not just what I say, but how I say it. Because ultimately, if I'm trying to bring out the best and, you know, my team, you can't come at them with like super aggressive tones and kind of like, you know, passive aggressive remarks and a little attitude, like that's not going to get you very far. <laughs> so I had to shift, I had to, yeah, I had to shift my leadership style. Um, but that was all part of the journey. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. But still that's very uh, mature of you to still recognize like at this age that that's something you struggled with and to yeah. make that adjustment because let's be honest, like most people don't want to recognize something like that and be like, Oh, well, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with me in the way that I talk. Everyone's to just you, sensitive. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Totally. So that's huge. Thank you. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, so now being a businesswoman, what would you say is the biggest struggle when you're communicating with people, um, who may not have, been through the same kind of journey as you or I don't know maybe don't have as much life experience how do you kind of deal with different personalities who have been in the sports world but maybe have all had different experiences yeah that's a really great question when I was an athlete I mean we're all very similar as athletes but we're all very very different I was always kind of type a business savvy type of person. Like I always knew I wanted to get into business. Like I actually have my real estate license in California. I got that right after I graduated. Haven't done anything with it though, because I needed actual like money, like right out of grad, like right after I graduated in real estate, you know, you have to build a portfolio and clients and stuff. So I always knew that my mindset was not long-term becoming a professional basketball player. And so I think with some athletes that aren't thinking about what I call the shakeout life after sports, they have a one track mind of 
I'm going to compete because I'm an athlete and I'm going to pass these classes so I can be eligible to be an athlete. <laughs> it's not, it's not, let me get the best out of this class because this could help me with life after sports. Like, no, let me just get this B or this C if I have to, so I can be eligible. Yeah. And sadly, like that's what so much of the counselors, like the academic, like athletic academic counselors are doing too. Like they're just trying yes. to keep you eligible. A lot of times they're not just helping you think about your career afterwards. That's what I at least noticed. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, they try to have me change my major Yeah. because I was studying finance and I failed one class. That was the only class I ever failed in my life. And they were like, are you sure you want to be a finance major? And I'm like, yeah, cause I'm sure I want to make money after this whole basketball thing is done. Yep. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So I think for athletes that don't, they you, like, you don't know what you don't know. I would, I would hope that if people knew better, they would do better. But I think the first step is educating these athletes. So for athletes that don't have my mindset, that's why I created Shakeout. I want them to realize, hey, the only, there's not only like one way to success and wealth, and that's not pursuing a professional career as a, a professional athlete. You can become an entrepreneur. You can get into a certain industry where you can have a very, very like lucrative, you know, business or opportunities or whatever. You can become an investor. You can whatever, have a passion project. You can become a nurse, become a doctor. I don't care whatever it is you want to do. You can still be really successful and well off post sports without having to be a professional athlete. And then for female athletes, we don't even really get into it for the money because we know the paid we know that's just not, you know, what you're in it for. <laughs> um, and so that's why it's even stronger. My message is even stronger for a female athlete because I feel like, okay, you know, even if you are the best of the best, like the amount of money you're going to make as a professional athlete is only so much. So how do you then double that and triple that in a business mindset? So, I mean, that's kind of, and I'm sorry, and I want to start getting athletes thinking about that when they're freshmen. And I know when you're a freshman, you're like, first time away from mom and dad, like I'm just trying to live my life and that's fine, do that. But while you're doing that, make sure that you're aligning some of your time, you have 24 hours in the day, some of your time to things that actually can help your future. And so, I mean, that's just kind of, I'm over here just trying to spread this good gospel to people like, listen, Sports are going to be over inevitably, and I want to see you guys win. So help me help you win, ultimately. All right, back to the show in a bit. But remember how I was telling you about Quick Track at the beginning of the podcast? Well, I just want to remind you, if you didn't download it before, go do it now. It's a free app that is the total freelancer solution to connect, agree, and get paid. With plug-and-play templates, Quick Track is your simple solution to getting things in writing without the heavy-handedness that comes along with all those traditional contracts we hate. It doesn't matter who you are, what your business is, Quick Track is your easy solution. Download the Quick Track app in your app store today for free. Quick Track, Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, Quick Track. Now, back to the show. So you obviously are able to also talk to students who are still in college mm -hmm. or about to make the transition. Um, what would you see is the biggest not like struggle that they face, but like where is the defiance in like their brain where they're still saying like, oh, this isn't something I need to worry about. Like I'm going to be fine. I, I'm an athlete. Like I, I'll be fine in the real world. I know so many people. I have connections. Um, like what's the biggest thing that is that you feel like you can hammer home to get them to really understand the big picture? You know what the problem is? Because I just have had some workshops at some universities. Uh-huh. These athletes... It's like, for them, it's out of sight, out of mind, right? So if I don't think about it, it's not my reality. Until it is my reality, then I'm blaming everybody else for where I'm at in life. And so the first thing is, I want these athletes to realize, I don't care who you are. Kobe Bryant had to retire. He had to prepare for the shakeout. And guess what he did? LeBron James is preparing for the shakeout. So understand that even the best of the best are preparing for their life after sports. So it's not saying you have to only think about your sport or if you're thinking about a career, then you're not going to show up as an athlete. I call bullshit on that because how are all these big time athletes able to run businesses and compete at the highest level of their sport? So I think the first thing is realizing that 
we're all athletes here and we can all now, well, starting in 2021, capitalize off our image and likeness, set ourselves up for success. So that way you have multiple streams of income coming in. I think that is probably one of the biggest things I want to hit home for athletes is the average millionaire has between seven to 11 streams of income coming in. That might not be everyone's goal and that's totally fine, but guess what? You don't have to just think of one career. You can think of multiple ways to make money for yourself. You can start doing that in college. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's really interesting, though, that you brought that up because, like, LeBron obviously still playing. Kobe's retired. But you see the kind of impact that LeBron is already making off the court. Like, let's be honest. There's so many people that know him now just – just because of what he's doing outside of basketball and like they don't even watch Laker games or have never maybe watched an NBA game. They probably game in still think he plays for the Cavs, right? And exactly. Like- <laughs> exactly. They're like, exactly. Like they're like, oh, that's why I didn't burn my jersey. Um, but I think it's really interesting because I don't know if you agree, but this just seems so much more prevalent nowadays that um pro athletes are making like making more of a statement by saying hey I am more than an athlete I can run a business I can do all of this other stuff during the offseason or like so many you know so many um especially basketball players like are running podcasts you know even during the season maybe they've you know pre-recorded episodes and stuff but like I feel like more than ever now just in the last few years more people are stepping up and saying hey I can do all of these things I can multitask and I think it's interesting because if you think about it, uh, like you were talking about earlier, women, female athletes don't get paid as much. So, you know, most of the time you, your sport is not going to be your full-time job. I mean, most WNBA players have to have another job during the off season. Or they play so, all year round and that is exactly, wearing tear on your body. Exactly. Or like think about the ones that go through their maternity leave or like for – Skylar Diggins, man, exactly. all respect to her. Like, can you, and that's the thing, like, we just don't think about those things. Mm -hmm. But if you really think about it, like, women have been doing this for a really long time, have Mm -hmm. been playing and having a job or a career or or being a mother, whatever it is Mm -hmm. for you. Um, So, you know, I just think, like, I don't really know what the question is there, but I just think it's a really good point to bring up that finally this is kind of coming to light. What do you think about that? No, I think it's so imperative because I actually um, had been working with a professional basketball player placed the Brooklyn Nets with a project with Cisco, Spencer Dinwiddie. And I was able to have him partner with Cisco and basically showing that he is more than an athlete, that he has his own shoe company, that he is, you know, an investor, that he is a philanthropist and he can do all of that in the off season and still, you know, focus when it's time to focus on basketball when he's in season and so that was super dope to actually take my passion with which is like helping athletes and actually bring it to my nine to five which is Cisco and like bring the two worlds together Um, and so that was super dope but I'm biased I'm a woman I want to see more women having the ability to then make money off of their brand in different ways, whether that's becoming an investor and knowing which companies to invest in to have the best ROI, or if that's creating some type of brand that is affiliated with their brands that people will want to buy you know, their product. You think of all of these other influencers that you know have their special talent, even if their special talent is just being gorgeous, they can make a lot of money off of being gorgeous. So why can't these athletes make a whole lot of money off of being the best of the best in their sport? And so that's how I look at it. And I think it's a beautiful thing. I think that, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with social media right now. I'm actually like not on social media for the rest of the year <laughs> because I need to focus on what I'm trying to build with ShakeOut but I think it's a beautiful thing for people that use it correctly and then can market, you know, whatever product or service that they're trying to roll out while playing their sport. Like that right there, I just, I want to see more and more athletes do that. And I especially want to see more and more athletes being able to do that in college, but there needs to be guidance, right? So you're, some of these college students are like 17 years old when they get into school. 
they need some help and not people that are trying to finesse and finagle them, but actual structure and guidance and, and legal, like a legal team to back them up so that you don't have people embezzling you or taking advantage of you. Exactly. That's exactly, that's my biggest worry with, you know, college athletes getting paid is like, yes, I mean, it's, it will be an amazing opportunity and it's only fair, but think of these kids who are literally children. You're a child when you're entering college. Like, all, you know, it's so you see money. And you're just like, oh, okay, like I can go buy all these things. I can do all this stuff. Like you're not able to be responsible. And I am saying that because that's how I was when I was in college. Yeah. So I don't feel like, you know, I'm not just trying to call out people here. But, um, you know, so like with the NCAA, like making moves towards this and especially spearheaded behind California, mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's really fascinating to see what's going to happen as far as how they deal with this with the athletes because it doesn't really seem like there's like a very very clear blueprint obviously there's quite a few years that are mm -hmm. going to um, go by before um, this is implemented but like just with the fair fair pay to play act it just seems like there's not really clarity on exactly like how an athlete should manage their own money or like you know what I mean oh, like yeah. I wonder if there will be some sort of guidelines of like, I don't know, like, do you get a financial manager or like a marketing right. manager? Or, you know what I'm saying? For, exactly. Especially for the big, and, the and big people. For that, yeah. right? and, I, and I think that there's a whole infrastructure that needs to be built. And essentially, like, that's at the same time, 2020 is like the year where Shaker, I'm actually trying to make it bigger than what it is right now. Right now, it's more of an educational platform. We go to different universities, we partner with different universities, and we do workshops and stuff. But I actually want to build out an infrastructure where I can actually help athletes, right? Where I bring someone, a legal person on my team that we can actually have a whole structure where we can actually like help protect your brand. Because this is something that even NBA players when they enter the draft or, you know, NFL players when they enter the, enter the draft have to deal with as well. The wrong people being in their circle, trying to take advantage off of their image and their likeness. So the one thing that I don't want to happen is for everyone. So initially everyone was mad because they felt like the NCAA was capitalizing off of these athletes image and likeness. So what I don't want to see happen is that then someone else is capitalizing off of these athletes image and like exactly. So yeah. what are we going to do to solve that problem? How do we then, how do you teach a 17, 18, 19, 20 year old financial literacy people at 30 and 40 still don't have it together. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. And especially with nowadays, like you just talking about social media, we see social media, we see everybody else having things, you know, like, this whole, I feel like decade is about instant gratification. So, you know, like if, if so-and-so, if my neighbor over there has a Ferrari, well, like I need a Ferrari to be successful and look cool, yes. you know? So like, I can't imagine what young, what like a young college student, college student athlete would yeah. do. And I, I don't know what that solution is because even still athlete or not, you have a lot of people that are becoming millionaires off of social media. You have like that, that little kid that reviews the toys, millionaire millionaire right yeah. like I want his life right yeah um so it's like so like his parents are able to capitalize off him not on purpose but like hey right. you know <laughs> like they, they're just you know so it's like it's it's really tricky and it's really sticky and I think that all we can really do is educate people to the best of our ability and then try to you know ensure that the right people are around them and it's kind of hard to enforce that but I think education is key and I don't necessarily just mean education like in the classroom but I think life education I think that when we're talking about financial literacy I was a finance major and when I graduated undergrad I did not know anything about finance really to be very oh blunt with gosh, you oh my gosh I totally feel you didn't know what a 401k was didn't know stock options didn't know how to set up different things when I got into the corporate world um, and still to this day, there's a lot of things that I do not know. So if I studied finance and I don't know jack shit about money, I know for a fact, these athletes that are studying, you know, whatever, major so yeah, communications and, you know, or whatever yeah. it is, they're definitely not, you know, having anyone coming in and teaching them about financial literacy. So I think that'll hopefully schools will see the value in bringing in experts to teach these athletes about these particular things, but Hey, yeah. It's so interesting you brought that up because I've had my this conversation with my mom a ton, thinking back to how in college, you know, you're investing your life, your time in these college courses. I mean, bes besides your sport, you're you, 
it matters. Like your education is huge. Like it's great, you know, finish your four years. But if you're not getting the life, like life preparation experience that you need from your college courses, then what's the point? Because I'll be honest, I felt like when I graduated, I was just floating around as far as I didn't really understand you know, I was a journalism major and I was like, I still feel like I can write, but I have no idea what the hell mm-hmm. I'm doing as far as like being in the industry, you know, understanding the industry, the ins and outs. And the only way that like I really got a handle on it was through mm-hmm. internships and, you know, being a production assistant and all that. And I'm like, so I learned more in my couple month internship than I did in my entire four years at one of the best journalism <laughs> schools in the country. Right, right. Like, like that to me was so messed up. And I think about it and I think that there's this there was this one course that I took that was like it was with some counselors or something and um, like career counselors. And I think it was like a two credit class or something, you know, one you go to like once a week. And it was all about resumes and writing cover letters. And to me, still to this day, that is the best college class I yeah. ever took because it, pre- it prepared me for life. And I still use tips from that one class to like update my resume all the time. And I'm like, that is so sad that I worked like so hard day and night, had to, you know, miss classes for games and make up all that work and do things. And that's what I learned. Isn't that crazy? No, isn't that crazy? And that's why with, with my workshops, they are really specific. Cause I believe in obviously teaching, but implementation. And so when I do a workshop, like if I'm telling you guys about LinkedIn, I know engineers at LinkedIn. So I can teach you guys about the backend algorithm. If you want to know like certain components that you need to have on your LinkedIn, but they're so like fresh in this LinkedIn space. They need to know why do I need to have a LinkedIn and then help me create one. So in my workshops, it's not just saying, okay, a LinkedIn is important because X, Y, Z, I'm going to tell you why LinkedIn's important. I'm going to show you my LinkedIn and guess what we're going to do. Pull out your phones, download the LinkedIn app, and we're going to make your LinkedIn right now today in this workshop. So when you leave my workshop, you have a LinkedIn and then you have a checklist of things that I want you to do. And so that's just, thank you. That's just one of the topics that I do. Every type of workshop that I have is an hour of teaching and an hour of implementation. And if I have to go over an hour of implementation to make sure that everyone in that workshop feels good, I don't care. I'll stay. And I think that's what's so important. So when you're talking about resumes, we do a resume one as well, where we can tell you about how important it is, but let's make sure that when you leave this workshop, you have an athlete specific tailored resume, because guess what? You can't put an internship on your resume, boo, because you don't have time for them or, you, or you're not allowed to, right? So how do you then shift like the key words to make it seem like I led this initiative, right? Like that's what people are looking for when you when they put the resumes in like those databases is like those keywords and so having them go through that and 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 figure out kind of how to best format your resume so blah 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 all that cool stuff that's what's really important and i am giving them a workshop that i know that they do not and will not have anywhere else and i know they're definitely not learning this stuff in school because i didn't learn it in school or in business school. And I got an MBA too. So I didn't learn this shit in undergrad yeah. or, or in business school. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, big time. And it's so funny though, you bring up the formatting and the fact that like, okay, you, you don't, you can't put a resume on there because you didn't have time. So that's the thing. Majority of student athletes, people don't realize weren't able to do an internship during their college days, like other regular college students. So, or think about um, people who maybe played in the league for a couple years, but were just on a, like in the NFL who are just on a practice squad or, you know, maybe played baseball and they just were in the minor leagues for a couple years. That's so much hard work and dedication to their sport that people don't realize because they're like, oh, well, you weren't, you weren't technically, you know, on the roster. Like, so what that doesn't matter but well what were you doing with all that time you were gaining all of these professional skills but how do you make that translate mm-hmm. on paper so I know people who have been you know gone through the minor league system and then get out of it and have nothing to put yeah. on their resume so how do you talk to a college student or a former pro athlete whatever and teach them how to tailor their resume to saying like, hey, I'm more than an athlete. I can do right. all these things. I can translate my skills into the business world, even though 
you know, there's not really any positions that state that. Right. So I would have them kind of, well, first it's about having a conversation with them and getting to know, like, what have you done as an athlete? Right. Like, have you guys won any big games? Like, have you, you know, whatever the case is. And then also on the resume, you can put like things that you've done, like projects in school. And when you were doing those group projects or something, were you a leader? Were you kind of the person that like was the editor? Whatever the case was, it'll have to be like a real kind of personal kind of conversation. And then I'll tell them like how they should then like tweak their resume. But I also tell them this, a resume is a formality. So at a big tech company like Cisco Cisco Systems or the Googles or the Facebooks, I mean, or the Apples, I mean, I'm from Silicon Valley, so I'm I'm a group around all that stuff. You will put your resume into a, a bank of hundreds of thousands of resumes. And I'm pretty certain that Truthfully, yours will not be selected, even if we go through this one-on-one experience. So what I actually have athletes work on is connecting with people on LinkedIn that are in a particular industry they want to work in and asking them for like a coffee chat, a lunch date, a phone call. Because what I've realized is one, people love talking about themselves. So if you're like, hi, my name is so-and-so, I'm an athlete at this school, I'm really interested in working in that said industry. I see that you're a leader, like gloat them up. You're like, kiss their ass if you need to. Um, and I would love to just, you know, hop on the, the phone or maybe grab coffee just to kind of hear a little bit more about your story and your journey. And make sure that that person that you reach out to might have a connection with like your school or your sport. Because then if they have a connection, if they're an alumni or if they know someone that went there or they love that sport, they're like, oh, shit, you play football? Yeah, yeah. Like, I love football, right? Even if they never played before in their life. Um, so it's all about your network, right? I always say your network is your net worth. How do you then increase your network? And so while you're an athlete, you have this brand of an athlete. Use that. People love talking about sports, even if they've never been athletic in their life. And then you don't really have to necessarily worry about your resume and how it looks. Have it put together as a formality. So if they do know someone that is hiring, you can give them your resume as a formality, but they might just hire you just off the basis of your obviously, you obviously care about your life after sports, which is why you set up that informational kind of conversation with them. And two, if you knock it out the park, they might like you because your personality. I got a job at Cisco on my resume was like these like ridiculous finance projects, working at Victoria's Secret, working at Macy's and being someone's kind of kind of personal assistant. And I got a job at the biggest one of the biggest tech companies in the world. So it had nothing to do with my resume. It had everything to do with my personality, me showing up for myself and me telling her my resume is terrible, but I really want to get to know you as a person. I'm very, very transparent here. And that's not necessarily going to work for everyone, but I feel like it's important to know who you are. And even in this past workshop I did at um, one university, I had them actually write down what their elevator pitch was going to be, practice it and present it to me. And in doing that, now they have their pitch. So if someone's like, Hey, what do you do? It's not like, Oh, my name is Classy and I play basketball. It's no, my name is Classy. I play basketball. I'm studying this, but I'm interested in this. And this is how I want to give back to the world, right? So you already have that documented. You've already been memorizing it. So when someone asks you about yourself, you're not stuttering or fumbling through who you are. Because if you don't even know who you are, why are they going to hire you? Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so smart. And I mean, I think that people still get so intimidated by just reaching out and contacting somebody, but you never know who's going to be able to help you. I mean, I know personally, I used to be so afraid of just like, I don't know. Oh, I don't want to bother somebody. I, you know, I don't want to like seem like I'm using them, but in reality, it's just business. That's what we all do. But if you can create that personal relationship, you never know where that's going to take you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the worst they can say is no. Okay, then go connect with someone else. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like, what's going to happen? Are you going to die? No. Like, There's millions of people on LinkedIn. There are millions of billions of people in this world. So guess what? For the people that don't say yes, or the people that don't, yeah, they don't say yes, there are people that want to say yes. So don't worry about it. Definitely don't worry about it. And I definitely say for athletes that are really kind of struggling, clearly there's a whole community of us that are here to support athletes. If an athlete connected with you on LinkedIn or me on LinkedIn or some of the other amazing people I know in this space on LinkedIn and wanted to hop on the phone, guess what? We would hop on the phone with you and we would try to connect you with anyone that we know. So understand that like 
you have to put yourself out there though. You can't be afraid. No one's going to like have these magical powers that's knowing, oh, I think this one athlete is in dire need. Let me just reach out to them and help them out. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Don't possess that magical power. But if you reach out to me, guess what? I'm going to show up for you and I'm going to do whatever I can to help you, whether you're a paying client or not. I mean, I'm just going to give you my advice. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. And I think that's so true. Like people never know you're struggling. And I mean, you never want to flat out say like, oh, I'm struggling or I need a job <laughs> or whatever. But people don't know you're struggling until you ask for help. Like you have to physically ask for help yourself because I know personally, like for all of the years that I struggled recently, you know, people all thought like, oh, well, you're still, you know, so popular and you have this and this and that and the clout and the resources and everything. I'm like, okay, that was like six years ago. <laughs> like I am like on the major struggle bus for these last couple of years, but I was too afraid to ask for help. Yeah. And just like, I, I think cause I was like embarrassed or something. And in reality, we're all going through the same thing and there's nothing to be embarrassed about. And it's so okay to ask for help. And just say, like, hey, like, I'm not, you know, things aren't the same. Like, I'm not able to kind of, I don't know, use, have the same resources anymore and be able to utilize them. Um, so I'm sure that you deal with kids like that who are kind of just, like, have that fear and have to get over it. Yeah, you just have to get over it. And it's like, like I said before, the worst that someone can say is no or not respond. Okay, wish them well and go on to the next person like as athletes how much rejection have we faced every time we totally. lose a game that's rejection right like every time you don't so, make a team whatever yeah yeah that's rejection so also think like you were made for this you've been honestly rejected your whole life and guess what that made you stronger so that's that way someone that tells you no that's just that should be motivation for you to just keep going because eventually someone is going to say yes that's so true oh my gosh like that is so real. I mean, I know, like, I'm sure you've been the same way where you've had some fantastic coaches and then maybe some that were really, really tough. Maybe some were toughest in not the best way. But, like, yeah. <laughs> I remember at my last my last job, my boss was just, like, a total psychopath in the fact that he just didn't know how to communicate with people. Kind of goes mm -hmm. back to what you were talking about, how just, like, when you talk to people, like, you know, there's a certain way to do it. It's all about delivery. Um, mm -hmm. And it was so funny because I think back to, like, my middle school self, and I would never have been able to get through my last job at this last station that I was at where my boss was literally a psychopath and would just scream at me for no reason because, oh, I was stuck in a blizzard in – you know, the middle of nowhere and the car died. So somehow it was my fault, you know, like, and this is a oh work, work car. Oh my gosh. This, like my, this last boss was psycho. And I had the balls to stick up to him. Unlike anyone else in the workplace. Cause it was a small TV station where I just was like, um, okay, this is not my fault. Like you're obviously personally attacking me. Like I finally <laughs> said that cause he's just screaming at me and he's like, I'm not attacking you but it made me really realize i'm like i've been through some tough shit like out of like your tone essentially you should know yeah. that you're attacking me so first exactly. thing first reel it in <laughs> yeah and i know that's like a little bit off topic but it just made me realize like i was so much more prepared to deal with different personalities mm -hmm. and hard things in life because you've been through rejection you've been through like i'm not saying you're not going to go through anything harder in your life but hopefully you've been through most of the toughest things that you've ever had to deal with in your life because yeah. a lot of people can never relate to what you've been through. And I'm sure that you felt the mm -hmm. same way. And at such a young age too, right? When we think about like when we're competing um, and usually kind of when that threshold where a lot of us stop competing is when we're in our early 20s. So that means from 20 and under, we've had to experience certain things that, you know, people that aren't athletes don't experience. And I even look at something as simple as when I'm, you know, at my nine to five and when people get feedback on certain work and they get so defensive like yeah. you ruin their entire week and I'm just like oh okay so you're upset about that uh bet but you know if someone's gonna critique my work like I actually want you to critique my work so I can at least get better um and so it's just interesting like I sit around I see when people get all frazzled about stuff and I'm just kind of like Okay, is that yeah. it? You guys yeah. are mad about that. Um, but it also helps you too as an entrepreneur. You know, sometimes I had these limiting beliefs within myself, or I'm afraid to maybe take that next step as an entrepreneur and, you know, 
build something amazing or ask, you know, pitch my, pitch my idea to like an investor or something. And I'm afraid of it. And I'm like, what are you afraid of? The worst they can say is no. And then just keep iterating and iterating and asking and pitching until someone says yes. And so it's like, and it's also, we can't take ourselves too seriously. We can't take life too seriously. You really have to enjoy the process and know that if you have a positive mindset and you're walking like in your passion and your purpose, you're going to be blessed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is some wise stuff to just think about because sometimes we just forget like all that we have in life and how blessed we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so is there anything else coming up for ShakeOut that you want to tell people about? Um, well, 2020 is definitely going to be a big year for ShakeOut. Right now, like I said, I'm kind of like disconnecting from all social media because I'm actually in the process of building out like a tech infrastructure and platform and hopefully application myself. I learned how to do that without coding this past weekend. So I was like, I really need to throw myself into this and figure out a way to like streamline some of the services that I want to offer. Um, because I think like tech is where everything's headed. And, you know, I'm from Silicon Valley. I work at a tech company. I've grown up around technology. How do I then, you know, provide a service for athletes where I can use tech to make things kind of easier for them? So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. Also, we're looking to, you know, work with over 50, you know, D1 schools. I'm in 2020, 50 D2 schools and between 50 D3 and NAIA schools as well. That's kind of our mission because I feel like in order for my, the infrastructure that I'm trying to build on the tech space to work, I really have to get my company in front of universities. I have to start working with athletes. I need to know what are the things that you guys struggle with? Because I have my assumptions on what I struggled with and what some of the athletes I've worked with thus far struggled with. But I think it's so important for like even a market research standpoint to get in front of athletes. So right now, that's what we're working on. We're working on, you know, getting deals with universities so that ShakeOut can continue to make a huge impact. Because let me tell you, 2021 it's going to be huge. There are things that I'm brewing like in 2019 for 2021. So I can really start setting up athletes for success post-athletics and helping them capitalize off their image and likeness. Yeah. Oh, big time. I mean, it's kind of like the perfect time for you to be doing this, especially. That's God right there. I was like, some of the ideas I had for 2021. And then all of a sudden when they announced that I was like, God knew what I was trying to do. He's trying to get me out of this nine to five so I can just focus on shakeout full time. Exactly. (laughs) And our tagline is you are, our tagline is you are more than your sport um, because we want athletes to be able to kind of wear that like on their chest. So they let themselves know every day and let the world know that I'm an athlete, but I'm so much more than that. And so we have some dope stuff. And so we're just, you know, just trying to make the world a better place for us athletes. All right, well, Classy, it has been so awesome having you on the podcast. You are welcome back any time. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And definitely, I'll definitely want to come back on when I have my announcement for 2021. So it'll be some dope shit. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the show. Make sure before you go that you subscribe to the After Orange Slices podcast wherever you get your podcasts and connect with us on Instagram at after orange slices for all sorts of fun behind the scenes stuff. And I'll see you on the flip side.